This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Pressing toward the mark for the prize. There's a prize associated with this. Of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And if you will, in Philippians chapter 3, God God has showed us and we turned the corner after we came off of being undistracted and um, focused, meaning and God made this turn, so God is showing us things. Because remember, God has already showed us something else is coming. Please, please don't forget those things. Hold on to those things because they are still in play for sure. In chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, it reads, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect or mature, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Now, we're going to go over some information and we're going to get into the new information. Understand this, going over the new information, I mean the old information from last week is, is paramount. You have to have that. This is a teaching ministry. When you teach, you teach and teach until learning takes place. Hearing it one time doesn't mean that you have it. So I reiterate things for a reason. I want you to grab it. I want you to put it down in your spirit, man, because it's going to come up and you're going to need it. So don't get bored when I'm trying to let you bring you back to where you need to be from what the teaching of last week. We've learned in being consistent to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God that we must, if we're going to progress, we found out that it can be difficult. It can be difficult. Just the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, just things going on in our life, it makes it difficult sometimes for us to just press forward. And it is my desire that everyone under the sound of my voice come out or never go into a stuck place in their lives where they can't move forward and they can't do what God is telling them to do or commanding them to do. When when you're unable to press toward God's will, you're in a lot of trouble and don't even know it. It always comes later. People think they can make decisions and and because they don't see any results right then, they're like, it's okay. No, it always comes later. Matter of fact, the devil stretches it out long enough so you cannot compare the two and say, this is where it started. Are you with me? So I don't want you stuck in a place where you're reliving and revisiting old things in the past and old way of living because, you know, we've all come out of different places and sometimes we want to go back and we want to revisit those things. I want you to come out from that because if you come out from that, you'll be able to progress forward. You'll be able to move forward. 
I told you I make this statement every time that I talk. If there's, if you are doing everything that God has told you to do, you're, you're walking in the Word, you come every, every Sunday, you're listening to it, you're going home, you're, you're, uh, seeking God even further, and you still can't get up off the canvas, something's going on in your life, then I want you to know that there, you might need some outside help. There are many things that can be going on inside of your body. You can, you can suffer things from trauma. You can suffer things from hereditary things. Just things that go on in your body. And sometimes you, can, you need additional help. Doctors, again, are a good gift. It's okay to go to doctors. It's okay to go to your primary physician. It's okay for them to to tell you to go somewhere else, send you to a specialist. You ought to be okay with that. Thank God. Say, okay, thank God. Because it's somewhere you're missing, and it just could be something. Remember, please remember this. We live in a natural body. Our bodies were never meant to die. But because of the sin of Adam, we have an incorruptible body. We have a corruptible body. We had an incorruptible one until he sinned. And after he sinned, it's now corruptible. So things can happen to it, period. Thank God for doctors. But doctors are not the healers. They give treatment. They make you feel better. They give you just different things to make you feel better. But Jesus is the healer. For example, if you're having problems with your sight and you go and they give you glasses, you put those glasses on and thank God every day for your healing. But you don't take them off and say, you know what, I'm not going to wear my glasses. You throw them to the side and drive and get in a massive wreck because you were believing God. That's foolishness. Let the doctor tell you you got 20-20 vision now. Go show yourself to the doctor and let them pronounce you clean. If they haven't, then you need to do what it takes to further that and believe God for your healing. And again, I'm not teaching on this and I'm not going to stay on it, but again, healing is different from a miracle. Healing is a process of time. A miracle is instantly. And and a miracle is as God wills. Healing belongs to us. We will go through a process. So if you said, I believe in God for my healing, then go through the process. Are you following me? And then, you know, we have to to understand that the Bible tells us natural is first. So we need to take care of the natural so that we can grow spiritually. We said the purpose of this teaching is threefold. is to glorify God, to remain in His will, and we want to be mature. It's so important that we begin to be mature. The goal of this series of teaching is for us to reach the mark in this dispensation that we're in and in every dispensation of our lives because we are in and out of dispensations in our lives. Amen. And then we began to deal with the different objectives that I had. And the first objective that I had was pressing forward from our old life and we dealt with your old life and a lot of us have our old life attached to us even with our new life and you you know you're trying to put wine in them old skins Uh uh-uh then we are dealing with what we're dealing with right now how to press forward from loss 
and particularly death. How do I move forward after someone, I, my loved one dies? How? Because, see, sometimes people think, because I went back to work, I'm moving forward. No, not, not necessarily. We're talking about moving forward in more than just physically moving. You have to move in every area. How do I do that? Because I'm hurting. I'm angry. I'm sad. I have grief. I have thoughts continually. How do I move forward? And then we're going to look at how to press forward from disappointment, when we miss God, and when we're in a stagnant place. And I believe all of these teachings will, will, will show us a lot about ourselves, and then we must do something. Amen? And we must do something. Why? Because everyone in here will experience that unavoidable, inexcusable thing called death. Everyone. And if you've already experienced it, guess what? You're going to experience it again. And after that time, guess what? You're going to experience it again. You're going to keep experiencing it until it's your appointment. And then somebody's going to experience your appointment. It's appointed once for every man to die, and you do have an appointment. Now, you can your your appointment can come early. You can you can do things to make your appointment come. You 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 have an appointment. It's set. And sometimes you, because of choices you make, things that you do, you can move your appointment up, get disqualified. Where you once had this amount of month, years on the earth, it got shortened this way. You know, like disrespecting your parents. He said, with long life, I'll satisfy you when you are respectful towards your parents. He said, don't let me shorten your life with that. Some people's lives are short just for disrespect to parents. You can shorten your life from drugs, from alcohol, from bed. Even though you have an appointment, you can always make it early. Not taking care of yourself. And just conditions because you're in the natural body. See, I want you to understand that just because this natural body, so many things can happen to it because it's natural. Are you with me? And then we said, it's difficult to press forward and make consistent progress when we don't, when we don't understand that we must be obedient and righteous if we're going to move forward. Obedience is key. Now, now let, me, let me explain to you what obedience is but so you can stop playing the game. Because I talked with someone earlier this week and it was mumble jumble. Because let me tell you what you'll try to do. You'll try to make your disobedience sound godly. Because you can wrap God's word around disobedience and make yourself believe it. Any kind of disobedience. And you'll be, and, and then anything, and I'm going to show you how you'll know. Pop out a question, thus said the Lord. They can't answer it. But you rapping that, see, I done heard people say they prayed. I've heard people say they fasted. I've heard people say they talked to God. 
I've heard people say God has shown them. I've heard people say all that. All of that to wrap around disobedience doesn't make it obedient. The results will come later. I promise you that. Everybody thinks their situation is different. It's not. So don't try to wrap around and don't try to sound like you really know what God said. First of all, (laughs) when you're a pastor and you've seen your congregant's life, they pretty much know if you know how to hear from God. They know when you're growing. They know when you're stagnant. They know some things that God has showed them that you don't even, that, that, that He's showing them why? Because they're an overseer. And that's why they listen to you and say, you don't even know how to hear from God. But when it's something that you want, you can wrap, wrap God's word all around that disobedience and make it sound good. And the only people that will believe that is people that don't know how to hear from God. People that know how to hear from God clearly would say, "Mm -mm, that's that's unscriptural. And that's just what I told them. Everything you're saying is unscriptural. What was their reply? Here it was. Yeah. That was it. What you're saying is unscriptural. See, if you you don't have an answer according to this, it's unscriptural. And you'll pay. In your life, if you want to progress, you better make sure you're scriptural. That's how you press forward. Like, I'm going to be scriptural. And, and, And this is what we try to do in this ministry. We give you enough scriptures. We give you enough homework. So you don't have to miss it. You can say, well, let me go see what God says about this. Are you following me? I want us to get this. We must get this. And then we said, let me move forward. I'm going to move on forward. When death happens or we suffer loss, it challenges our faith. Oh, it challenges it big time. It challenges our faith. It alters our plans. Never alter God's plan, but alters ours. I had this plan, I had that plan. It's altered now once you suffered loss. And then I told you that when you suffer loss, the first thing that you must do is you must learn how to mourn properly. If you don't know how to mourn properly, you may be mourning for years. Which is also out of the will of God. Because God can't use you when you're in consistent mourning. You have to be able to move. Are you following me? And then we said, it's appropriate to mourn. You have a right to mourn. I know, I know. It's been taught that, you know, if somebody dies and they're a believer and they love the Lord, you don't have to cry, you don't have to mourn, you know, you know where they are. But you're not crying in mourning because they went to heaven. You're crying in mourning because you're going to miss the absence of their presence in your life. 
That's what you're mourning about. Not where they went. Of course we know where they are, but that's not what I'm crying about. I am upset because I'm not going to see you on this side any longer. Are you with me? Everybody say the absence of their presence. And let me tell you, it hurts. And then we said we must learn not to mourn time. Because there's no good time for anybody to die. There's no time that you're going to say, okay, well, this was the right time and I'm okay with it and let's just move forward and everything. No, it's no good time. So don't, don't confuse that. Because we get caught up with if this, they was here for this and they was here for that and the Christmas was coming up, their birthday, if they was here for that, do you, well, it doesn't matter. If they died after that, you're still going to mourn. You're still going to be sad. Are you following me? And then we said if you're mourning properly, you have to keep moving. You have to, it's essential that you keep moving. You can't stop. You gotta, at, at the end of your mourning time, you got to get up and you gotta move. I told you mine was 30 days. Some people, they, you, some people it takes a while. But at that time, God will say, get up, it's time to move. Get up, it's time to move. And you'll know when you just want to lay in that bed and don't want to move and don't want to go out and don't want to, you are in grief, sorrow, sad, deep, deep, deep sadness, and you are in great mourning. But God said, I'll allow you a certain amount of time for that, then you must go. You got to start moving. Because as you go, God's grace and mercy is going to meet you right there. But as long as you don't get up and start moving and start getting involved and getting yourself back where you need to be, you're not going to be able to get away from mourning. Amen? And then I told you one of the things that we have to do. Do not focus on the person's last days. That's called insufficient memory. Do not focus on their last week, their last month. The person has the whole of a life. Focus on the whole of their life. Focus on things that you laughed about, things that you... I, I was thinking the other day of different things that just me and Pastor Hill would beef about or whatever. Uh, he'll say one thing and I'll do this and he'll, we'll break it down. And, say, and I just had to laugh. And I, because you know why? I missed it. I said, I missed that. But you need to focus on the whole of the person's life. See, it'll, it'll do you good while you're, while you're mourning them if you remember how much they love God. And you'll be like, you know what, I need to move on. And see, we're going to find out somewhere the reason why you need to. We're going to find that out. Let me push forward so we can get there. And then we have to leave, leave mourning and focus on memory. And when, we, when you focus it on memory, you're going to miss the person, but you, without mourning, without just deep, sad grief. You're just missing them because you wish they were here, but you're not full of sadness and darkness. Amen. Because when you mourn, you can be in a dark place. Amen. And then we start dealing with the affairs. We have to deal with what remains. And what remains that we're talking about the body, we're talking about insurance policies, houses, cars, we got to deal with that. We got to get all of those things in order and move them along. 
in order and move them along. Sometimes it's hard. It took me quite some time to get rid of my husband's clothes, to get rid of different things. I start, stop, start, stop, start. No, I don't want to. I don't want to, and I'm just going to shut that door. No, I'm, I'm, no, want to. But eventually you have to. You can't just keep it there. Because that's not him. And that's not them. Things that remain is not the person. The insurance policy is not the person. The house, the car, their clothes. You know, you take the clothes and you smell them and it smells like them. But it's not them. And so you have to treat it as so. It's not them. Because, let me tell you, and then if family members get to squabbling about the remains, different stuff that's left and everything, you, you know what? You'll begin to forget about the person, actually. You caught up in arguing about remains. We don't need to do that. Because people carry out the person's wishes. That's why we, I gave you the information that you got. You need to carry out their wishes and keep it moving. It doesn't matter who's mad at you. You won't care. You're in heaven. Put it down. Make sure that it's there. and Let everybody just do whatever. Be like, well, I can't believe mama did that. I can't believe daddy did that. I can't believe. I thought I was their favorite. Well, now you know you weren't. Be okay. I wasn't the favorite. I thought I was going to be the favorite. I thought they were going to leave me in charge or something. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Maybe they did. And, and be okay with that. Amen. I'm telling you, people that, you know, I'm the oldest. I'm going to be in charge. Not necessarily. It's all over the scriptures. The, the oldest serve the younger. See, the, see, don't get caught up in this world system trying to dictate to you. Let God dictate to you how you're supposed to lay out everything. That's why I was saying, you're just crazy if you leave all of your belongings and everything to some wayward child that's doing everything. They're going to blow everything that you leave them. And you know what you're going to say? I just want them to know I love them. Yeah, let me tell you, the way they really know you love them, if you leave them absolutely nothing. I love you enough. Get your life right. You get all that. They get all that stuff. They use it all up and go, go back and live the same way. Yeah, you keep them broke. They'll be like, you know what? I need to run to God. But we think we want people, you know, and we want them to think, oh, look what they left me. They really love me. They're going to forget you. Be balanced with that. We're going to move on because we talked about that. I think last week. Amen? Uh, let's move on. And I told you, this is the time to talk about death. Right now. You talk about death and you talk about everything that you want done now while you're good and healthy. While you have a sound mind. This is when you do it. You don't try to do it at the end. You don't try, well, what do you want so-and-so to do? Because nobody in the family is going to believe you. Especially if they want it. Well, how did I know she told me? I know she told me that. I know. Well, she told me the same thing. Have it on paper. Amen. Talk about death while people still have life. Why? So you know their wishes. You know what they want you to do. You know what, whatever provisions they left, you know what they wanted you to do. And then you can handle the affairs. And it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It doesn't matter that they're mad, that whatever. It doesn't matter. 
Amen. Then we went to Second Corinthians. Go over there. We went to Second Corinthians. I think it was chapter one. And we moved on to our second objective. Oh well, within that objective, I said pressing forward towards the mark, I must trust God to comfort me. You'll never trust God to comfort you if you're angry at him. You don't let anybody comfort you that you're angry at. So if you're angry because some, your loved one died or you don't understand or whatever, and God tries to comfort you, you're not having it. You're mad at God. You're angry at God. There's so many people that I've talked to say, I'm just angry at God. I don't even know if I have faith anymore. I don't even know. Because you're angry at God. God will comfort you, but you must allow God to comfort you. He will not bow God his way in. You have to welcome him in to comfort you. That's what I did. I was like, I need the comfort. And he came in and he comforted me. That is how I was able to get up, was comfort from the Lord. Are you with me? And I know it sounds like common sense. Yes, everybody wants God to comfort them. Not necessarily. Not when you're angry at Him. And see, my two sons are very different. Both of them, you know, they both come from the same parents, but they're very different. My oldest son was angry. He was angry at everything, you know, just, just, and let me tell you another thing that, that, that you have to be very cautious about. Listen closely. You'll get involved with relationships because you're hurting when somebody dies and you'll regret it. You think it's all okay, but you, because you're trying to just get past that. So, okay, let's just go get married. Okay, let's just get in a relationship. Okay, all, all, all of those things. You will do that. You'll regret it because, let me tell you, those are the times that you do nothing. Don't do nothing. I don't care how you feel it, but you're just like, okay, well, if I do this, this is going to make this all better and I can go on. No, it doesn't work like that. See, that's looking for a way and you're looking for peace and you're looking for to get past this and you want to stop thinking about it. So jump into a relationship. You don't even really love them. You don't even really care about it. But you're hurting and you're mad and you're like, well, let me just do something. Trouble for you. No, it's not going to come right away. It waits until you're locked in. I'll tell this to anyone. If you know where a person really wants you, tell them to do something that... They don't want to do. See how they act. You'll be like, oh, you, yeah, well, no. You don't jump on board with them acting a fool. You'll be like, well, actually, you know what? It would be another sign for you to halt and say, wait a minute. Have you ever really, see, see, this is how you know when you just jump into a relationship after somebody has passed away. And listen, if the person that is deceased have told you anything about the person you married, please don't throw it away. See, a lot of times we like, okay, well, they're gone. I'm just going to do what I'm, no, don't, don't. I'm telling you now, I'm telling you here, you're going to regret it. You will regret it 
Because that's not the way it works. Because you're really caught in your feelings. You really are. You're still mourning and you're caught in your feelings. Don't make quick and quick decisions and, and fast decisions. Don't do it. Don't run out because you got an insurance policy and buy a house. Be still. Because you just, because you're working off of emotions and you want to just do things to just make you forget that what's going on and just, just want to ease everything. You got time. Marriage and relationships. I mean, me and my son, we talk about it all the time. I talk about it a little bit with Isaac, but Isaac has his wife. But my oldest son, me and him talk about things and we laugh about different things. And, and I told him, you know, you really, really need to talk, talk to the young adults like, like me and you talk and let them know all your experience and all the different deals and d- different things that, that would help someone else. Let somebody benefit from that. Benefit from your mistake now that you know what to do. He said, Mom, I've been there, done all of that. Just, you know, just, just, just angry and just want to just, you know, just do anything to forget it. But the hurt was still down deep. It never goes away. And anything that you do to try to make it go away, other than God comforting you, it will return. Know that. Now that'll help you if you want it to be helped. If not, don't. Hey. Throw it out if you don't want it. But never say God didn't tell you. In 2 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of some comfort. The God of all comfort? Would that include loss? All is all in every language. The God of all comfort, verse 4, who comforted us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble, in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. And then we went to letter A, B, and C, and we said to Press Todd tomorrow, don't blame your help. If you blame your help, which is God, you're not going to be comforted. Did you hear me? Don't blame your source or you're going to be in trouble. That's just, the, that's just the way it is. God is your comforter. He will get you out of this. He will get you. I know it felt like I told myself and I said it out loud. I said, I'll never, ever be happy again, God. Never. God said, let me comfort you. I said, I don't care what comes in life. I'm never going to be happy. I won't even allow myself to be happy. I, I can't be happy. I can't. I won't be. I, my life is not. Now, my life is not the same. But you saying you'll never be happy means I'm not going to allow you to comfort me, God. But when I begin to yield... And God said, Alva, get up. You have a calling on your life. Uh, let me move forward because it's going to come with our new information. I don't want, want, want that to, to mess with that. 
And then letter B, we said, draw near to God in the time of loss. That's the time you're going to be strengthened in your relationship. Draw near to God. Run to Him. Don't run away. See, that's what people want to do. They want to stay away from God when they're hurting. They want to go the opposite way. No, run to Him. God, I need help. Spend time with Him. And then I told you that the word comfort means to strengthen and to teach. God wants to strengthen you and teach you. He strengthened me and He taught me. That's what got me out. I love to, I just love to think of that. God, if you're going to comfort me, you're going to strengthen me. And you're going to teach me. I'm going to teach you how to go forth in bold. Then let her see. Draw near to God, near to those who can comfort you. Please don't draw near to people that can't comfort you. You must draw near to people that can comfort you. When you lose someone, I told you it's two types of people that'll that'll be in your life. Those who are strong in faith and those who have none. And it's just that simple and it's true. And you have to and I don't care if it's loved ones. Let me tell you, I know how to avoid loved ones that can't comfort me. And I know how to gather around me those that can. That's why my circle is pretty small. Because I'm around people that can comfort me. And I'm not talking about hugging me, patting me on the back. and all. I'm talking people that can speak the word. I'm talking about iron sharpening iron in the midst that keeps me strong. So you don't let just any and everybody come. I know, I know, in the natural we be like, just let everybody come, everybody's hurting. But if everybody's hurting and nobody's comforting, you know what that's called? A big mess. Because nobody's comforting anyone. Everybody's just hurting. You need somebody around you that has faith, strong faith, even though they're hurting, but they can minister to you. Are you with me? And then letter D, in order to press toward the mark, I have to comfort others in the time of loss. Now, that's the hardest thing to do. In your time of loss, God expects you to comfort others. Because, not because so much they need it, in as much when you help others, it will begin to comfort you. See, when God told me to get up, and it was time for me to get on this platform, he meant it was time for you to comfort those in the ministry, and it's going to comfort you. Because you're going to hear everything that you say. See, a lot of times people don't understand about ministry and don't understand about those men and women of God that teach the Word. They're, when they're teaching you, they're learning too. They're encouraging themselves in the Lord. I told you uh, a few weeks ago when, when I looked up at my son and I told my son, I want your dad home. I want him home now. And I looked at him. Compassion just went through me because he, because both of my sons are this way about me. They'll do anything in the world for me. I mean, they, they just do anything in the world. They, they, that's just who they are. They got all that from their dad. But when I looked at him, it was nothing he could do. And he was looking like, that's one thing I can't do. That's when I knew nobody can comfort me but God. Nobody. 
nobody can comfort me. And then I looked at him and I saw he needed comforting. Because they were handling all the business. That was a lot on them. But real men can step up. And then I said, it's time for me to comfort the church family. It's time for me to comfort my children. And as I began to do that, comfort my children, comfort my, my the, the, you all here in the ministry, I became comforted. I was able to do more and I felt better. And I was like, okay, God, I can do this. I can do this. And then when I began to feel, when I hit the step, when I began to feel it felt, I, I don't know how to explain how it feels, but I mean, other than to say, if you pour honey on your head and just let it run down, and I began to feel that, that was the comfort. And I was like, oh God, yes, I can do that. And then so I could get up here and I could smile and I could do that and it was just comfort. Like a big fluffy comforter. You know how you crawl up under that in the winter and you just feel good and eat those cookies and milk and get up under that cover? That's the kind of comfort it is. And it's like, oh, God, nobody else can give me this. My sons want to give it to me, but they, they, they can't. And even, even today I laugh because if they think I'm having a bad, because I have good and bad days. I'm going to tell you, I still have good and bad days. And my children can kind of tell. And they'll come in my room and they're looking at me like, what you doing, Mom? Whatever. And then they'll just kind of keep roaming around. And then they'll come back in my room and I see a bald head come through the door. I say, oh, God, not them again. And they'll come in, Mom, you want something? I said, I don't want anything. I'm going, well, what you doing in here? Let me cut you on some. You want to look at Netflix? I said, I don't want to look at Netflix. Well, why are you sitting in here quiet? Because I want to be quiet. I don't have to have noise. No. Give me that, give me that deal. I'm going to pick you something to watch. No, it's gonna, you know I always pick good stuff. I'm going to put you on something. And I'm like, oh, God. And then another one will come in, another bald head come through. Mommy, you want a pickle? I said, yes. Now that I do want. Please bring the pickle here. You want a pickle? You want some Lucas too? You got some Lucas in here? And they say, Mom, you want me to order you a candy apple? They order me candy apple. They know all the foolishness. I'm like, I'm getting too old for that. But I I ordered you three candy apples. I put two in the refrigerator. And then they look and they like, you know, they, they, children know their parents, I guess. And they look at me like, let me see if you're okay. I said, get, I said, I'm good. Get out. Go, 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 go. Okay, well, Mom, why don't you just come in here on TV with us? No, that's not what I want. I said, okay, I'm spending time with God. Okay, then. Okay. Okay. Then they leave me alone. God said, why didn't you just start off with that? And they wouldn't have brought you all these pickles and and everything. But But that's just their concern because they know I have... Good and bad days. And, 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 and again, it's not so much the heavy, heavy grief as it is I miss him. Or just something that we do or something I'd be like, oh, if he was here, we'd be doing this. Or, you know, he'd be doing that. Or, or I'd listen to, you know, hear his voice or something that he would say. And, and I said, oh, yeah, he would be saying this and, and, you know, those type of things. But God began to comfort me, and then I press forward, and I comfort you. 
Amen. Now, I think this is where we left off. At. I think this is where we left off when we were talking about comforting other, other people. Okay, so I think this is where we, we left off. Let's pick up here. Oh, let's see, where do I want to pick up? Hmm. You know, sometimes when you, this, this is how you can tell some things that just kind of just off. You can go to funerals and stuff, and you find somebody at the funeral. It's always somebody at a funeral that will scream out. And you'd be like, what the? You know, and, 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 and it's somebody that didn't even come by and speak to, to them when they were alive. And they just scream out, or they, they, they're doing all of that. And, and you know, it's, it's just like somebody coming. They try to tell you, you know, oh, oh how's your mother doing? Oh, you tell them, tell, them, uh, tell them happy birthday. I know it's their birthday, and it's not even their birthday. they just just speaking out the side. Of, you know, you have people that can professionally speak out the side of their neck. Just, you know, just saying stuff. Just saying stuff. I call it speaking out the side of your neck. Just, 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 just nothing. No. But, but you have to understand, those people are different from people that are legitimately without hope. You will find people that are legitimately at funerals or legitimately in your family that are just without hope. And they don't understand what you understand. And they are legitimately, I don't care how educated they are, I don't care how much they know, if they don't know the Lord like this, they are legitimately without hope in the time of loss. Amen? And there's people that need to be encouraged. God wants us to be the people that give them that encouragement. And God, and when you give them the encouragement, God will give them the grace. And God will give you the grace to be able to minister to them. And I believe in my heart that we do a disservice, not only to the people, but we do a disservice to ourselves when we don't minister to others in their time of loss. In their time of loss. I believe that we set ourselves up for a longer period of stagnation when we miss an opportunity to minister to someone else in their time of loss. You know, we be like, oh, I don't want to even be bothered with that. I don't want to because I'm, sti- I'm still going through. I don't want to, you know, I, no, I'm not going to. No, no, no. That keeps you in stagnation. You need to say, okay, you know what? I need to minister to them. I need to talk to them. And you push through. You know, you got to get away from self in order to do this. And say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to minister to them. Because they are without hope. And you got to be a person that don't want to be just rubbed on your shoulders too. And, and all that. you got to be a person that say, no, I'm, I'm, I want to minister to them because they are in trouble. Now, when my husband transitioned, I had an opportunity to sit and, you know, and, and just close the door. I had 30, and I'm telling you, to the day, on 30 days, God said, that's enough. He allowed it. And then he said, that's enough. Time to get up. And when that opportunity came, I pressed. And I began to comfort others. New information. In the time of loss, letter A, draw near to those who need encouragement. See, you've got to see people when there's a loss and know they need encouragement. See, if you see someone hysterical or you see someone that just you know, can't get past the sadness, they need encouragement. Because when you tell someone else about the faithfulness of God... 
then it reminds you of the faithfulness of God. So encourage somebody even if you're hurting. Telling someone else about heaven reminds you that the person is in heaven. Because you're hearing it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Out of your mouth, into your ears, down in your heart. You hear it too. Out of your mouth, into your ears, it goes right down into your own heart as you minister to others. Are you with me? And then we need to teach those who need to know truth in the time of loss. Draw near to them and encourage them and teach those who need truth. Don't just sit around and say, well, I didn't want to get into it with them because I know they didn't understand. No, that's the time to encourage them with truth. They need truth. Are you with me? Then in the time of loss, love those who are hurting. You know, sometimes we get irritated with people that are hurting. Like, how long are they going to hurt? Now, they need to just get on up. No, nope, no. Because there is no time limit. I'm here to tell you, there is no time limit. So what do I have to do? I have to love those who are hurting. In the time of loss, you can draw near to those who need encouragement and teach those who need truth and love those who are hurting. You will be amazed at what it will do for you. You will be amazed. I'm just going to love on them. I'm just going to love on them. How You will see how it will strengthen you. How it will fortify you. Because why? I'm just loving on them because I know they're hurting. Listen, get this down because I'm telling you, it's coming your way. Every individual is coming your way. And these are things God wants in place in your heart. It takes us to the next objective, pressing toward the mark. I must listen, honor the life of the person that passed. If I'm going to press, now this is where I want, it, I want to teach you something. I must honor the person that passed. Now, what these days people call honor is not really honor. Now listen to me closely. A lot of times we think honor is wearing a t-shirt with their name on it and their face on it. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not honor. We do the balloon release. That's not honor. That's just remembering them. But that's not, that's not, that's not the kind of honor. God said, no, I want you to honor the person that has passed away. Those things that are on, you know, okay, it was their birthday. Okay, let's do a cake. Let's do. See, we call that honor. That's not what God calls honor. All of that is saying, I miss them, and this is something that we would usually do. Now, I'm going to talk to you about how, how to do it. First of all, you need to understand that all lives have value. I don't care what way they live their life. I don't care if they were a drug addict. If they died, they still have value. I don't care if they spend most of their lives in jail. Their lives still have value. All lives have value. See, we have our own definition of when someone lived a negative life 
or died a negative way or a tragic, a tragic way, and we'd be like, oh, God, we don't even want to talk about that life. Oh, my God. And, you know, our definition of a person that, that, that you know, is positive is people that lived an angelic life. Oh, they were, they were holy. Oh, they, you know, they taught that word and they just godly. See, we have two different standards, and so we feel two different ways about their life. But all lives have value, no matter what way they lived. And I'm going to show you why. All lives, if, look at somebody and say, all lives have value. All, look at someone and say, all lives can be honored. I don't care what the person has done most of their life. All of it has value and all of it can be honored. Did you hear me? I don't care if the person was if the person was a popper was a rolling stone and had 13 children by 15 women they still they they still have value their life have value so I want to drive this home are you with me there's a difference between realizing your value and having value there's a difference Be between realizing your value and having value. Now, the truth be told, the majority of people will not realize the value of their life. That's a high bar. People won't realize the value of their life. And whether you, I realize 90% of it or 2% of it, the value is not based on how much I realize my value. It's based on the fact that I am God's creation. That gives me value, no matter what way I live my life. I'm God's creation. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And all of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. And all of our lives have value. Now, whether you've been on the planet three days, 13 years, 30 years, 70 years, 90 years, it doesn't matter. Value. Your life have value. We have to make sure that we memorialize a life that has been lived. It helps us to press forward. We have to memorialize a life that has been lived. Now, this is how you honor Someone that has passed away. Not with t-shirts. That's And again, t-shirts, is nothing wrong with it. I don't want you to think I'm saying something wrong with it. But it's not on. This is how you honor someone that has passed away. You honor them by the way you live your life. There's the honor. What did they impact in your life? That's how you honor them. I'll see the way some people are honoring their founding pastor now. See, what you do with your life, that's how you honor what we do with our life. So again, a memorial is not a t-shirt. It's not a balloon. Let, I'm letting it go. Mm-mm. The word memorial implies that we're going to do three things. We're going to honor them when we remember, listen, the life they live. See, we're going to honor them because we remember the life they lived. See, if you really want to bring honor, 
honor the person by the way you live your life and then honor them by the way they live their life. What about, but what about, Pastor, if they lived a bad life? You still got to remember. Why? Because a life, whether good or bad, sets a pattern. And how do I honor that? Because if they lived a good one, that's why you have to honor it. And that's why you have to remember it, whether it's good or bad. Because if it's a good one, you want to remember it so that you can pull off of it and you can walk that way. If it's a bad one, you want to remember it because now you want to break it. So i got to remember all of that because I don't want that to be repeated. Did you get that? You honor it, you, you remember their life, whether good or bad. Why? Because their life, whichever way they lived, it set a pattern. I'm either break that bad pattern or follow that good one. One or the other. That's honor. You do that in remembrance of the person's life. Because, see, if a person lived a bad life and now you can remember that and break it, they've given you a benefit. Even though they lived a horrible life. Because now you could say, that's not going to carry through. That's going that's to be broken. I remember how they live, and that's not going to happen here. What do we need to do different that this won't happen? If they lived a good life, you say, you know what, I'll see the example that was left. And I'm going to follow that example. Let it be, be, we honor our life when we reflect on lessons taught. What did they teach you? Every life leads us a life lesson. And we need to reflect on those lessons taught. I know my founding pastor have taught me many things. He taught me many things. He taught me as a young woman, Mary, coming out of a household of a woman-dominating home, My mother having six children, no man around. Any woman that comes out of a house where the woman is dominant, she is going to be that same way. That's why you had better make sure you all are on one accord. Because it was broken in my life because, first of all, I love God. See, don't be going getting involved with people that's not serious about as you are about God. And you try to make them, you're never going to. You try to make them get serious about God. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. No more than you can try to get with an unsaved man and tell him, I'm going to get him saved. Well, you're going to live through hell for many a year. That's what you're going to do. That's the truth of the matter. I, listen, I, I wouldn't lie to you. But let me tell you, when my husband... He showed, because my husband came from a home where there was a mother and father. I came from a home where a woman, my mother did everything. And I have four sisters and one brother. And we, and let me tell you, and we all had that same kind of deal because we came from a dominant home. But when I got with my husband, 
He starts showing me different things that a father would do and what a man would do. And I was like, well, what the devil is all of this? And, and you know, and, and showing me what a man, and then showed me what, what a real, really what a real godly woman was. But now, if he wouldn't have shown me that, I would act a fool until I ran him in the ground. He showed me how he showed, he loved me enough to teach me. And he showed me, he said, this is where you come from, this is where I come from. This is where God wants us to be. And see, most of you are, because me and Pastor Hill had two, we have two different personalities. Pastor Hill, let me tell you, he was a strong man. And he was a strong presence in our household. And let me tell you, a lot of you, because I, I'm more, uh, I don't know how to put it. Mom, you know, I'm just, a, you know, Pastor Hill, he would teach calm and cool. I, you know, I might get a little stronger there. But most of you, and especially you women, you got to be very careful that you all think I'm dominant. But let me tell you, I knew how to yield to my husband. I was taught well. And I don't care what you thought. My husband knew how to run the household. And let me tell you, and I loved it. Because let me tell you something, men. Let me tell you something. Ain't nothing worse than a weak man in a house. And let me tell you, a woman will like it for a while because she just wants, you know, to do her thing and thing. But let me tell you, she will get tired of your tail quick. And she will go searching for the strong one. I think Pastor Hilly told y'all when he told me no. And I tried to kick the gist the pricks. He like, you better put your foot down. No is no. And that thing started running throughout our marriage, 43 years, no. I was like, oh, man, come on now. But yet, he was always gentle. He was always respectful. He loved me. He never voiced any bad words toward me. He never hit me. He never talked down to me. He never did any of that. But he taught me well with a strong, because he was an honest, good man. And I was a woman after God's own heart myself, so I knew how to yield. When a woman is not after God's own heart, she's not going to yield to you. You know what she's going to do? She's going to run you in the ground. And you know what? You're going to make excuses for her and try to hide all of that foolishness that she's in because she don't love God like you. <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, no ma'am, no sir. You don't see it now. My husband told me, he said, I'm like, a, and see, I didn't have a father in the home. He said, I'm like a father to you. And I'm going to teach you what a father. Because when, I'm just, when he, he kind of said something wrong to the children, you know, they were little. I was like, well, well, now, wait a minute now. These are my children. He's like, oh, no, no, no. Let's get this straight right now. See, women will get into that. They my children. No. They mine. These are my children. No. They're our children. This is what. Oh, after that, I stepped way back. I told you about the time when I was like, oh my God, I got go to go run to the store. Keep the baby until I come back. He said, don't you ever, ever ask me to keep something that belonged to me. You want to go, get up and go. 
It's my child, just like it's yours. What do you look like asking me to babysit what belongs to me? And you know, you always have those that's going to abuse it. After that, I just get up and down the cone. I'm just out the door. He's like, but he, he didn't care because my husband was a homebody, so he's like, Everything's conducive in my home. Go run around because I know because I know where you are. TJ Maxx. That's all you. That, I, I know that. You know he used to have a thing on his phone where he could track where I am, and he would say, and then he'd call me. He said, hey, I know really. How many TJ Maxx can you go in? You done been in. What are you looking for? I said nothing. It might be another price. He said, get home, girl. Just get home. Yes, sir. I said, well, just one more. No, get home. Because you're not doing nothing. You just, you know, you just what? But let me tell you, I, I, I want to drive this home. My husband, was he was a good man. He was a good father. He was a good husband. He was a strong man. He taught my sons to be strong. He taught me to be strong. He taught me how to just fall in love with God all over again. He taught me how to be a real woman of God. How to... To submit after coming from a household with a woman that was only a woman in the home. So you see, you have to see. You not only have to be a man that can step up and do that, but you have to be a woman that can submit to that. Because see, just because you're a man that can step up and say that, if you ain't a woman that can submit to it, you're not going to. You're not going to. I'm gonna leave that alone and move forward. Amen. Now. We honor life when we reflect on life lessons taught. Every, le- every, every one time that a lesson is taught, we need to reflect on those lessons. Then let us see, we need to take responsibility. That is to commit to make their life have an impact. The person that died make their life have an impact. I purpose in my heart to walk this life for the rest of my life to make sure that my husband's life have an impact. Because, see, I want every time you see me that you see our founding pastor. That you see his influence in my life. I post for impact. I walk for impact. Why? Because I want people to honor him and say, now, his wife is awesome. See, that's what I want them to say. I don't want them to say... Alvar, Pastor Hill is all. I want them to say, Pastor Hill's wife is awesome. Impact his life. So ask yourself, how have you been doing to honor your pastor with your life? Think about it. What are you doing to honor your pastor with your life? See, we need to honor the person. What are you doing to honor your mother, your father, or whoever may have passed in your life? What are you doing to honor them? With your life. I'm not talking about with things and stuff or take a balloon. What have you done in your life to honor them? You know their standard. Cloud a witness and look over saying, oh my God. I didn't impact your life enough to make a difference even when I'm gone. See, I don't want, I, I don't want my husband's life to make a difference when he's gone that I can do any old thing I want to do. 
Heck no. That's not honoring him. See, I, I can't, for me, everybody say for me. Say for Pastor Hill. I can't honor my, life, my husband's life by having a companion. I can't. I just need a companion, somebody to talk to. Not me. Now, listen, it's nothing wrong because, again, like I said before, when a person passes away, you're free. I'm just talking about for me. I can't impact my husband's life with another man on my... I, what the... Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You can miss me on that in every area. I got too many people I can talk to here. I don't need to get with nobody, no man to come and grin up in my face with your broke tail. I wish I would. I just want to talk. There's plenty of people to talk to. I talk to people every day. Now, if you want to have sex, that's different. But see, you can holler that companion stuff when you got plenty of people to talk to. And I done told you, I done had all the sex I want to have. I done had 43 years of sex. That's enough. I know some of you young ones, y'all just getting into it, and y'all think that's all that and everything. You'll find out in 43 years, I done had enough of that. Some of you tell me, I had enough, and it's just 20. I get it. I want my husband's life to have impact. So I'm going to live my life in such a way, in such a manner, that not only is it an impact here on earth, it's an impact in heaven. Are you with me? So we honor their life when we remember the life that has been lived. That's why I I dislike dishonest obituaries. I I, I just really do. You know, you read stuff about people and it's just dishonest. And and get it, nobody lives a perfect life. Nobody, I don't, nobody have lived a perfect life. And it's okay. But you don't have to be lying all over the obituary. You got to remember the life that has been lived. And if the pattern is good, follow it. And if the pattern needs to be broken, then break it. We have to reflect upon the lessons that have been taught. And we have to take our responsibility. This is commit to make their life have impact. Now, Pastor, where did you get that from? Because I need, I need to know what the Word says about that. Well, Paul said this about Jesus. Paul said, the life I live, now I live by faith in God and the Son of God. He said, I'm memorializing his life. My life is going to be memorialized after his. That's what he was saying. When he said, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I make an impact on the way he lived. That's where I got it from. And I believe that we can do similar in those in whom we love. Now, to press toward the mark, I must consider my life. You've got to consider your life. Now, here's the secret that most people don't want to share. When someone dies, 
that we love, it causes all of us to look at our own mortality. It will. It makes you begin to stop and think of your own mortality. You'll be like, oh my God, just any time. I remember my oldest son, he would always say, I mean, every time I'd go somewhere after, after Pastor Hill's transition, I mean, I'd just go to the store and he'd call, where are you? I said, I'm at, well, they still do that, but I mean, they would just, he was just really on it. Where are you? I'm at the store and everything. He said, you know, Mom, I just get nervous when you're away now because this, because why? It's the reality of it. I mean, I just, I just want to know you okay wherever you are. I don't want to come up. Because, see, well, he was away when his, pa- when his father passed away. He was at work. And he's like, I just want to know where you are. And, you know, he said, I just, it, right now I'm just scared. I'm just scared that, you know, I don't want to know phone calls or hear nothing. I just want to know where you are. So you start looking at your own mortality. You start thinking about, you know, at any time I can and I can, and you can go any time. And you think about your own life. You consider, that's considering your life. So death is a wonderful opportunity for us to do some introspection. One of the best ways to move forward from a loss is to do some introspection of your own life. It will move you forward. Because this is what you have to understand. The person that has passed, listen, the person that has passed, their story is already written. Yours is not. You can't rewrite a person's story after they're gone. That's why I said, I don't care how much you say they went to heaven, rest in peace, and they got this and they got that. Uh-uh, their story is written. Once they take their last breath, their story is written and closed. Yours is still open. That's why you need to make good. Because they're gone. Their story has ended on this side. It is written. It is sealed. It is in the Lamb's book of life. It is a sealed deal. Now what about your life? Because theirs is written. See, that will make you ask yourself the question. Those questions. What about, what am I doing? Let's go through a few. It's a good opportunity for you. Uh, opportunity for you to ask yourself, are you fulfilling your purpose? Letter A. Ask yourself, am I fulfilling my purpose now that the person that I love has gone? Am I fulfilling my purpose? You know, one thing that will stop you from mourning is to get back to moving. Is at, And get back to moving is ask yourself, am I fulfilling my purpose Because your purpose is not to mourn for the rest of your life. That's not your purpose. So what are you doing? Or what are you... uh, Are you... Ask yourself the question. Are you fulfilling your purpose? Let it be. Ask yourself, am I maximizing my value? Instead of mourning the value of the person that you lost. Ask yourself, am I maximizing my value? Or are you just walking around, just doing some of anything, connecting with some of anything, just day to day, not maximizing anything, not, not fulfilling your purpose? Mm-mm. Ask yourself. That's a good, good question to ask. In the time of loss, it's a good time to ask yourself, where am I headed? In what direction am I going? Ask yourself that. Where am I headed? 
Well, I ain't really headed nowhere. Where are you going? Ask yourself that. Where am I going? Now, now some of you in here, your loved one's been gone a couple of months, two years, three years, four years, however many years. Ask yourself, what have I been doing? Where am I going? How am I fulfilling? Am I maximizing any value to my life? What am I doing? That way you'll realize if you've been stuck. If you haven't maximized anything, you haven't fulfilled any purpose, you are stuck. You, I don't care how much you act like you're going on. You're stuck. And that's why you do things to try to fulfill that and try to fill it. No, you're stuck. It'll, when you ask yourself these questions, it's going to help you to realize I'm stuck. It's a good time to ask yourself, letter D, am I ready to give an account? If your life today, tonight, your life was a, it's time for you to give an account, are you ready to give an account? Ask yourself, because tomorrow is not promised. It could be tonight. Are you ready to give an account? Because you know we're going to have to give an account for every deed we've done in the flesh. Once we take our last breath, ask yourself, I can you know what? Can I give myself an account for this? Hmm. Am I ready to give God the account of my life? Well, you know, you don't have to give it to Him because God knows y'all be lying and doing all kinds of stuff. God already got the account there. He's going to show you. So he's asking you today. Have you asked yourself, if tonight I died, I didn't say whether you were going to heaven or hell. I said, ask yourself, am I ready to give an account for my life? If today was my last day. Because, see, the person that you're mourning about, the person that you're hurting about, the person, the person that you don't want to go on about, guess what? They've already given an account. Their account is settled. Yours is not. Yours is open. Their account is settled. And, and, and just so you know, we have dual accounts. We have an account here on earth and an account in heaven. See, what you do in, a, in, in your flesh here, that's an account made up for you. And you've got to give an account for it. When you get to heaven, there's another account. The ones that he said, first seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things and stuff that you want will be added to you. He said, but you know what? Put everything up in heaven where moth, dust, and corruption won't get to it. Because there's an account up there for you i never forget that Vivian Jones told me, and, and I was with her when she had her cancer surgery, and she said, and she, she, she looked up and she said, God told me, I'm, I can help you because you got an account in heaven. And more specifically, she said it this way. She said, God told her, I, you have something in your account, and one of the things that I see that's, that's not in your account, you never ate your pastor. She's been healed from cancer for 11 years now.
You never ate your pastor. In case you don't know what that is, ask God. Eleven years since she was diagnosed with cancer and she's clean. And every time she goes back every year, she's clean. Building treasures in heaven and on earth. Because God said, make sure your account when you get to heaven is on fleek. Because I'm going to bring it up. Kelly, or uh, Minister Abhart, can these things go up and down? Can you make it go up right now? They're so smart in there. Well, while that's going up. Because I, I just want to make an illustration so you'll know. See, this is not a play thing. This is not just... See, everybody's planning on life. They live in here forever. And I think God said, no, you're going to have to give an account for on earth and in heaven. And tonight is the night that you need to do an introspection and say, am I ready? Now, when you get there, that's probably just how slow it's going to go, too, because God's like, I ain't going to miss not one iota of thing. Now, let's just say that you die, and now you're in heaven. You have dual accounts on earth and in heaven. When you walk up to be judged, bring them down, minister, dear. This is, the accounts are going to he's not going to let you come and try to tell him what's on your account. It's going to just start coming down like that. So, you know why? He's going to show it to you like that? He said, because a liar won't tarry in my sight. So you look at that before you start lying. It's going to already, and it's going to come down slow for you. I can see your legs. Oh, oh God. Well, I mean, you made heaven, but you got to give an account. For on earth and in heaven, dual accounts, decisions you made, rebellion you did, eating pastor you did, eating the pastor's wife, eating the ministers. It's all on record. It's on record. You haven't put it under the blood. See, some of us just go on with life. You better put that mess under the blood. If you're here, you have to give an account. Everybody that remains have to give an account. And let me tell you something. You can't try to give the account of some per- the person that lives. Their life is already it's already done. Sometimes people try to make people's life sound like something that it's not. When a person dies, guess what? It is what it is. No matter what you say. So we have to give an account in heaven of the things that we did in the body. So the question is again, am I ready to give an account? What is the account going to be of my life? What will be said both in heaven and in earth? 
And I promise you, if you go through these questions, it'll take your focus from what was to what is. If you would ask yourself the questions that I gave you, it'll take your focus from what was to what is. And you'll say, you know what, I need to do the will of God. And last but not least, I must press, press forward towards the mark of the prize to have, uh, I have to redeem the time. Here it is. You've got to redeem your time. Redeem doesn't mean you can go back and borrow time and try to change time because you can't do any of that. Redeeming the time means I've got to make good the time I have right now. Right now. See, once you consider your life, you will realize you have some things to do and you don't have forever to do them in. How many times did God have to tell you, you don't have forever? Don't let your time run out. Redeem simply means make the time good. You got to make the time of your life good. And you know what? Listen, it doesn't take long for days, weeks, months, years, decades to get past you. Because you look at time, how long you've been in the ministry, it ain't got past. So if you really want to honor the person or person's life, don't waste the time of your life. Make the time good. Homework for you, Ephesians 5. You're going to have homework probably all summer. Put one of Sister Martin's things that she do on the children. You got some homework. Ephesians 5 for homework. Because you're going to find when you get there, there's some things you ought to do. Like, wake up. Some people are walking around here, I'm telling you, you're sleepwalking. When you don't realize there's, time to, uh, there's a time to mourn, and there's a time to press forward, you end up sleepwalking. That's what a lot of people do after loss. You're just sleepwalking. You've got to wake up. Don't waste any more time. Listen, if time was worth mourning over, then you ought not to be wasting it. Make sure you walk wisely. Get sound counsel. If you feel like the person that you love died because they, you know, they didn't make the wisest choices, with their, with, whether with their health, with their money, with their associations, with people or whatever... You just make sure you walk wisely and circumspectly. Say, so you know what? I need to walk wisely. I need to make some changes. Make the time that you have left on the earth good. Our you know what? Out the priority of the time that we have, you, instead of the time that you feel so... See, we, we keep talking about the time that they lost. You don't need to be looking at the time that they lost. They're sealed. You need to be looking at your time. See, I'm looking forward to meeting Pastor Hill in the New Jerusalem. I'm looking forward to seeing him. There'll be no marriage in giving the marriage, but I'm looking forward to that. I am looking forward to that. So what? I'll make my life good because I don't plan on going to hell.
for nobody. Ain't nobody that cute. Ain't nobody that strong. Ain't nobody got that kind of influence in my life that I'm going to hell for. So then you can mourn properly. Then you can make sure that you're pressing forward toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I pray that this portion of this teaching on pressing forward, I pray that it's been a blessing to you. I pray that you've learned something in it. I pray that you begin to ask yourself those questions and do some introspection and slow it down. And I pray that you do it all before you experience the next loss. Because you will. All of the stuff that we've taught, you have to get down and own it before your next loss happens in your life. Why? Because loss is unavoidable and inescapable. It's going to happen. It's not, it's not if, it's when. And it will. But God has given you every tool that you need to, to live through it and to mourn properly and to go on with your life. Every time I want to slow down, I think about different things that me and Pastor here talk about. He said, no, no, no. You get that old thing in the ground because it ain't nothing and I ain't there. And you go on with your life. You walk with God until the end. You walk with God. That's all that it's about. But see, you've got to make sure that's what your life is about. And I said that about my son being angry and stuff. My son, actually, Pastor Hill has been gone, what, about four years now? About three or four years. You know, I don't even try to keep up with it. But, but I'm going to show you that it's no time to He's just now coming out of being angry. He's just now really healing up. And it was after, it, the, the healing began to speed up more after we came back fellowshipping together. We needed that. See, it's not a time. And the whole time I minister to him. Every day. Every day. And everything that I ministered, there wasn't nothing that he didn't know. But he was hurting and he was angry. Now when he hear the messages, he gets on and that was a good message. He said, still kind of bothers me, you know, you mentioned that, but, but it's, it, it's good, it's helping me. And I can see, because I see his life every day, I can see his heart being tenderized by God. It takes time. And people, they, they don't understand, you know, you, because every child is not the same. And Isaac is the same way. Isaac, he hurts, and he, he in his own way, because he's different. Both of, them, both of them are different. But it takes time. But when you surround your people, yourself with strong believers, and I'm going to tell you, one day he's going to give his testimony. I say, you have to, because I mean, I've heard it. And I say, this will benefit so many young adults. They will see it and they will know. And, and I already know. God already showed me. I already know. Let me tell you. If there's one thing I want you all to believe in this ministry, I know how to hear from God. 
And more importantly, I know how to hear from God about your life. Because that's what I seek. Father, teach me how to... T- I, I, hey, I, I'm, I'm just like Solomon. God, I, teach me how to teach your, your people. Teach me how to understand them, what they're thinking, what they're, how, how they're doing. What, what, what do I need? I want, I want them to get it. So I know what you need. Because God tells me, not that I just look at your life, no, but I know because I seek God for you. And I know, I know when, I, 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 can look, I can read people in the sense that God, that's what I was praying about, God, I, I understood. When a person came to see me, I told them before they, was, they started mumbling, I said, God already talked, show me you were coming. See, because, and see, most people, they, they don't, they, I don't know, they just don't believe it. They just, you know, I said, I, I'm going to tell you, so you don't have to mumble and you don't have to fumble and you don't have to stutter around. Let me give it to you, what God has already shown me. But everybody thinks this situation is different. But you know what? God said, don't, don't try to convince them, just tell them, because then when it happens, they'll remember it. Remember, even Jesus said that. Jesus said, you know, some things I can't tell you now, but what I am telling you, he said, this is for you when I'm gone, and then you'll see, and you'll be like, that's what he meant. So it is. That's another reason why I talk about Elise and, and Rob, because of what God is showing me about them and where their head is and where that. And God has given me the tool to help their families drive it out. Because it's timing and season for everything. See, don't get foolish like people. You try to give them timing and season, they'll say what you don't want them to do. Don't be an idiot. There's a timing and season for everything. Didn't we read that in Ecclesiastes? So it's a timing and season. It's not a no. It's a timing and season so that everything will be on point. So... I'm praying for you all the time, and I'm seeking God for things you don't even know about. I say, God, and let me tell you, I don't care how much you want me to talk to you, how much you want me to call you, how much you want I'm going to obey what God is saying, because sometimes God says, nope, leave them alone. I'm dealing with them. And when God tells me to move, I'll move. And when God says, stop, I'll stop. I don't care if you don't understand it. I'm not, let me tell you, I'm not about pleasing nobody but God. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.